DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. All right, Jazz will lost back-to-back games. Thoughts, explanations. We got a lot of stuff on Mike Conley. Instead of getting better with Conley's return, the Jazz became an average NBA team. Front office and coach have to react quickly. There's a lot of stuff like that. But there is other, uh, there are other takes out here. Uh, Spencer puts it on Rudy. Jazz coaches need to help Rudy understand that pick and roll still requires him to play defense. So that's a little harsh. <laughs> I think that comes down to a team like the Spurs to shoot the mid-range, and they shot it really well, especially in the first half, but they shot really well most of the game. You know, Rudy usually will retreat to the rim and take that away, and you try to force people to shoot those uh, 15 to 17 foot shots. And the Spurs, actually, with DeRozan, who's not a three point guy, and Aldridge didn't play, but he's kind of been morphing into a little bit three point guy. They're not a three point shooting team. They shoot a lot of those mid range twos. Now, on one night, it worked out for them. And so it looks bad because Rudy's retreating. It doesn't look like he's defending. And they're crushing it and scoring 70 points and a half and 127 in a game. But over the course of the season, that really hasn't worked out for them. I mean, there's a reason they're still five games under 500. Iz- Can't argue that. Yeah. Izzy says all you have to do is take Joe to the hole and you'll score every time. Hmm. Every time. Nathan says the Jazz will ultimately regret the Joe Ingles contract. <laughs> I'm saying Joe's defense is terrible. Anyone can score on him, Izzy replies. They started having a conversation. I do think that... Um, and probably true in San Antonio, but I thought it was really noticeable to me in Houston for whatever reason um, that Joe was struggling on defense. He was in foul trouble. He was frustrated, and they just continued to isolate him. And, you know, it's one of those things where, and especially something like isolation, once 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 you're shown on tape as, hey, he's, he's, uh, he's vulnerable here, you're just going to get a steady diet of that. And you're going to have to stay in front of people and not foul him, and then eventually people will be like, all right. Never mind, let's try something else. Well, I'm not one to panic, but I'm making at least five trades between now and the trade deadline. I had a kid. Christopher goes right to it. And I'm building in the panic, PK. I'm trying to get more. You know, I'm giving you a little bit, and I'm giving you more, and I'm giving you more because there's a lot out there. Christopher, any chance we can still get Ricky Rubio back? Oh, I'd trade him straight up for Mitchell. Not <laughs> a kid. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> All right, here's what you need to calm PK down before PK loses it. Brian says, the Jazz are still top four in the West. There's no need to panic. This team has a realistic chance to be a top three seed. Uh, True. Big picture. Big picture. Calming down. I can say that about three or four other teams, though. Yeah, Clippers, Nuggets. Uh, I don't think you can say it about the – you think the Rockets can be top three? I wouldn't eliminate the possibility. Uh, I could see him being four if somebody uh, has a real problem and, and Houston heats up, but I think Houston has issues of their own. I, I kind of think the top four right now, not kind of, you hate kind of. I think right now, I would. if you said pick the top four in the West in the playoffs, I'd take the top four right now. I, I would go with them. I, I think the odds are heavy these will be the top four. So as is is what you're saying. As is, right. The order may change. Obviously, there's so little separating two, three, and four. The order could change easily. 
But I don't think I think we've got enough separation now with Houston and with Dallas and with Oklahoma City. I think they'll be I think they'll be battling for five, six, seven. And there is, but like you say, you can't eliminate the chance that one of those three gets hot, and Houston would seem to be the most likely one. And one of the top four gets cold, has issues, and that there's a change there. But if right, I had the to. Panic. If I had to put money on it, I'm, and then we're not gambling guys, but if I had to, if I had to put my sports radio reputation on it, I'd, I'd go with the top four as is with the order of two, three, four, maybe changing. Sure. Well, a couple of things is one that our team is the one, if you said I could see maybe one team slipping and the panic and nervousness is it's our team. And then secondly, nobody wants to be fourth and lose to the Lakers. We've played that story over and over for 25 years and we don't want to do it again. That's true. I will say that I think when we get to the playoffs, uh, facing the Clippers is going to be a tall task. So Certainly. I don't know that there's anything to really... And I get just the emotion of it. Like, seriously, if they're going to lose in the second round to an L.A. team, I'd, rather look, Clippers. I'd rather look at the Clipper jerseys than the Laker jerseys. Of I, course. I totally get that. But I yes. think just purely basketball, if you're playing shirts and skins, your odds of winning or having a long series... I don't know. I think they're pretty much the same whether you're playing the Lakers or Clippers. I think those are both really difficult. It's possible that they could get them in either situation, but I think those are both really difficult. But so. nobody wants to lose to the purple and gold. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is. The only good thing about losing to them is that nobody has animosity towards Vogel because he's done nothing yet to make <laughs> us hate him. You know what I mean? It's not like Phil's on the sideline. You, exactly. Your blood is boiling before tip-off. Right, you had two guys that you you know just probably got on your skin, Riley with the slick hair and coming down from the broadcast booth and inherited magic and away they went, and Phil inheriting we know who he inherited it. Well, at least with Vogel, it's like okay, he's he's a journeyman grinder, he's not a celebrity. So if you got to lose, uh, make sure he's the coach, and so you can accept that. But you'd much rather lose to the Clippers, of course. I, and I agree with that hundred percent. I don't want to see these guys lose to the purple and gold. I'm sick and tired of it. Tanner does not take out his uh, frustration on any individual jazz player or coach. He's going big picture. Oh, but he's frustrated. Overrated. Same as the Utes. They played nobodies for too long. Mm. Well, so we knew that the Utes couldn't get in the four-team playoff, and do we think the Jazz can get in the four-team Western Conference? I think the odds are overwhelmingly no. Uh, can't, but if you you didn't say will they, you said can they? Can they? Yes, they can. They have, so, I'm they, talking top four. And being in, in the West, com, being in, in, no, in the West. Oh, in the West, yeah, the Jazz yeah. can be top four in the West. Absolutely, I just picked them to be. I think okay, top you're four guar- now, or, you're, uh, I can't are you guarantee me. No, what, I cannot what, guarantee it. But I think the odds are it's me? what I would. What do you mean? What would I give you? Eighty-five, ninety-five, one oh. percent. Uh, Seventy-five was the number that popped in my head. And I, I got to say, now that I think about it, I want to move that up to eighty or eighty-five. I was like, when you say, first said it, too low. first that first instinct, that was what popped in my head. But you're right. When I started thinking, do I really want to stick with that? I started moving up to eighty or eighty-five. And you know, I think part of the reason too you want that is we look at the times that they've won these first round series they're pretty grueling so find a way to not have a grueling or as grueling first rounder maybe that can help you more in a second round that i totally buy that logic 100 percent, and that's one of the reasons i always want teams to get as high as they can in the seeding but i think that the only team that's not going to have a grueling series is the one seed 
I, I think five, six, and seven, they're, they're pretty good teams. Are they very good teams? No, they got flaws, but they, they're pretty good. So I don't, I don't really see you sweeping somebody or knocking them out. Although, if you're, if you're top four and you have home court, even if the games are difficult, you can get out in a five-game series. You know, win at home, split on the road, and you're out in five. That's one of the, one of the main advantages to having that higher seed in home court. Okay, so if everybody but one and eight is going to be tough, then get in two and three because then if you're in two and three, then the other the guy on the other side of the bracket's facing the same thing you are. Mm-hmm. Avoid four five at all costs, I guess. Yes, yes. four five usually is the toughest series. Don't outthink the room. Five's just better than six or seven, and there's less separation between four and five. And the Jazz have been in the four five series three years in a row. And so we've seen how tough it is. And I would think, you know, I wouldn't pick Houston right now. I, w- I would pick Houston to finish fifth right now. I think Dallas with the Powell injury and I think getting them in the playoffs with Doncic not having playoff experience, there'd be a little advantage there because obviously, you know, Houston's got playoff experience all over the place. I think being in the, fir- in the playoffs the first time can be a little overwhelming. And having said that, you know, Quinn Snyder – you know, that first time back to the playoffs after being out for five or six years, whatever it was, the Jazz won. You know, they won that seven game with the Clippers. So there's no, there's no guarantees, but I'd rather face a team without playoff experience than one with. Okay, so if you get Houston in the first round, if you're D'Antoni against the Jazz, do you sit Harden and Westbrook? <laughs> and switch everything and then wait for the Jazz <laughs> to implode. Russell, yeah. your job is to stand on the baseline and go berserk and just irritate everybody. <laughs> he does that well. <laughs> absolutely. Not only did he irritate fans, jazz players noticed. <laughs> oh, they did? Oh, absolutely. Yes. What did they say? Rudy um, uh, Rudy had something in his – if you play that, it might be the longer bites. You might not want to play it. But when he was talking about they came in to kick our ass, he said something yeah. about they celebrated or something. And I thought okay. that was a clear – He didn't. I didn't hear him name Westbrook by name. No, me either. Uh, and when he came out, I was already out of the locker room because I had to be on the air because the game went so long. There wasn't the normal amount of time. Uh, but he did come out and, and talk, and I heard some of the clips. And when he said celebrated, I thought, yeah, he, he absolutely saw Westbrook. How could you not see Westbrook? He was getting off the bench, and he was going down the baseline, so he was in full view of everybody. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he's an emotional guy, so that's what he does, whether he's playing or he's obviously just dressed in street clothes. That's who he is. So yeah, find a way to get the most ad- advantageous bracket, whatever that might be. And there's there's still plenty of hope. Now that I've had an hour and a half to uh, go through therapy with my friend, Dr. DJ, <laughs> I, I, I'm more relaxed than I was an hour and a half ago. So here's an interesting thing, and this uh... – this is just a different way of phrasing it, but it's, I think maybe takes the edge off it, and maybe people can accept it as true. It's kind of first cousin to they were, they were beating up on a lot of bad teams. John says, uh-huh. law of averages, they'll shake it off. So who can sustain, what was it, 19 of 21 at the best, right? 19 and 2, you're basically you're winning 90% of your games, and over the course of a season— that is a 70, basically 73-win yes. pace. Well, I mean, obviously what? that doesn't happen. You're yeah. not Michael Jordan's Bulls, and you're not Steph Curry's Warriors, so you're not going to win at that rate. You're just not. And you're, something's going to go wrong. And in this case, Rudy got in foul trouble. They played poor defense. And I really think we have to underline this. Mentally, they're not all there and all sharp. I, I've heard multiple coaches say free throws are a good measurement of how dialed in you are in a game. 
So when you're an NBA team and you're shooting 69.5% at the line, you're not dialed in. you got to be better than that. And the Spurs, on the other hand, they shot 90%. I mean, we can break all of this down and go analytics crazy, but hey, make your free throws. They're free. And the Jazz you got a difference there, yeah. The Jazz got calls. They got yeah. to the line. That was an issue. They were on the road and they shot 46 free throws in 48 minutes. I mean, they did a great job of getting to the line. Yeah, that's a little over one a minute almost. Now, some of that may be, hey, the Spurs are like, foul Gobert, do not let this guy dunk. He might miss one, right? He might go one for two. And he was nine of 18. He did go one for two. So that's part of it. But even if you take his 18 out, the rest of the team still shot 28 on the road. And that's still a good number. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the Jazz were 32 of 46 and left 14 potential points out there. And the Spurs were 27 of 30 for 90%. That is excellent. And the guy who missed three, who missed all three of them was DeRozan, and he shot 19 free throws. He's living at the line. All right, well, I'm glad you feel better after a little session with me. Now here comes Craig Bowlerjack in to give us a kind of look, how the guy's feeling, how they're taking this. Uh, Bowler's been on the road a long time, and we can talk to him about this. Uh, You know, with a lot of different coaches, uh, he's been on the road with different groups of players, and... You know, losses impact people different ways, and sometimes you feel it on the road, and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can be around the team and just sense stuff. We'll talk with Bowler about that next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz lose back-to-back games for the first time since early December. They fall in San Antonio, 127-120. DeMar DeRozan, 38 points. Donovan Mitchell had 31 for the Jazz and the loss. Jazz play the Nuggets tonight at 8.30 on TNT. Zones coverage starts at 7.30 with Jazz game night, the pregame show. Elsewhere in the NBA, Damian Lillard, a triple-double, and Portland beats Houston, 125-112. to College basketball, BYU hosts Pepperdine, Marriott Center tonight, 6.30, CBS Sports Network. The Utes are in L.A. to face USC. That's at 7.30 on FS1. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing to get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Um, wait one second, guys. Are you leaving? Okay, I love you. Happy anniversary. There you go. There's the romantic 19 <laughs> years right there, guys. Me wishing my wow. life happy anniversary. Who says romance is dead? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could get away with saying, hey, uh, I'll see you later. Happy anniversary, by the way. Right in the middle of the conversation. Yeah, on a phone interview. I'm still scratching my head over it. I would be gutted. Like, that's what you're going to do for our anniversary? Happy anniversary as I'm leaving? This uh, is the business we chose. <laughs> oh, calm <laughs> oh, down there. Lloyd. Just because you're only celebrating your, like, what, first anniversary coming up here pretty soon? And you've already forgotten, what, one of them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm over one. Oh, that's right. Catch hands and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK reminding you to join the big show Friday from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 3 and West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. That's The Warehouse. Got people tweeting at us all morning. What's going on with the Jazz? Douglas just tweeted at us. Donovan's doing it all. They can't maintain this. 
Actually, I kind of think Donovan can maintain this. He's averaging 25 points a game, 31 points. That's a little on the high side, but it's not that big a number. And, and I still think there's upside to his game. I think he can get to the free throw line more. I, can sh- I think he can shoot the three-pointer better. And I get it. He's been bouncing around 24, 25 points a game all year, and that's a huge number. You know, in any given year, at most, at most, there's 20 guys in the NBA who can do that. And it's probably, most years, it's probably less than that. I think that number's going up because they've changed the game offensively. You know, it's the calling it different and shooting more threes, so it's a little easier. I think more guys get to 25 now than used to, and it's still a huge number. I still think there's more there. All right, DJ and PK, time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Bowler, good morning. Hey, DJ, you going solo, huh? Well, you know, every once in a while, yeah. You got to hold down the ship, right? I want to know from you, Bowler, not numbers. I got David Locke for that. Yeah. Not X's and O's. I got me for that. You know what I want from you, Bowler? I want the vibe. I want the energy. I am curious because you have traveled for a long time, a lot of different coaches. Uh, you know, you traveled for a couple of years with the Jazz back in the 80s, right? When they were still on over-the-air TV and you're the analyst. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's right. You've traveled with... Uh, the only three coaches <laughs> that the Jazz have had since uh, what, over the course of like almost 40 years now. Not quite. Over, right. over 35 years. Uh, was, was Frank Layden the coach when you traveled? Uh, yes, in the early days. Yes, okay. yes. And were when you I doing found out TV? I was Hot Rod's analyst. It was, okay. it was Frank Layden. And then you did TV. You started doing TV right at the end of the Jerry Sloan era, right? Uh, 05. Jerry okay. was there, yes, for another golly. So have to count it down. So it's four yeah. coaches, almost 40 years. And right. you know the vibe when you get on a team bus, when you're watching guys uh, at practice, or you know, just on a plane flying from one city to another. And you know how guys act after wins and how they act after losses. You know when they're mad. You know when they're sad. You know when that's normal. And you know when, ooh, this is a little unusual right now. Because you've just you've been around it. It's second nature, right? We can walk into our own homes or our own job and kind of have the same vibe. This is a good day. This is a bad day. I'm curious, after the Jazz lose back-to-back games, when they've been crushing it for two months, and then they lose two games they think they should have won, and honestly, they should have won. Well, so what's the vibe now? In the locker Upset. room, on the plane? Upset. Upset. Locker room should have. Uh, they know they're better. Uh, that the teams are playing, they feel that uh, locker room was not uh, not a place you want to hang out too long uh, last night. In fact, it was a pretty rushed. Let's get out and let's go to Denver and let's go play again. And so, probably uh, for them to have a back to back is probably the best cure all on this particular case, where fatigue or uh, you know the back to back situation is is sometimes difficult, but not in this case. It's probably the best the best scenario you could have. You know, the Jazz have been rolling, as you said, DJ. Uh, this this team was running through teams, and, of course, uh, there would be those who would say lesser opponents, yet the Dallas win was, uh, uh, was a, you know, a very exciting, you know, battle between, you know, a lot of good young talent down in Dallas and the Jazz. Um, Houston game. Uh, that was an oddity, I thought, 
with a smaller lineup. And then last night, again, got behind early against San Antonio. And again, you ran across a very hot shooter, uh, DeMar DeRozan, the night before. Two nights prior was Eric Gordon. So uh, it seems like the guard play uh, has been an issue now the last two games. The losses that have come upon the Jazz where Rudy's been out of the mix, been bumped out of the paint. And they've uh, been up against some physical, fast guards who have been on a hot streak and knocked down shots. Uh, the Jazz have not knocked down shots, which has basically been uh, their M.O. over the last, what, 21 games prior to uh, the two losses. So, uh, yeah, upset. I think they worked through a lot of issues prior to this. Uh, these two losses. Had they just digressed? We'll have to wait and see. I'm anxious to see how they uh, come out against Denver because these are the teams too, DJ, that we talked about earlier last week that they have to beat if you're going to be a Western Conference uh, champion. Uh, you know, and that's that's the thing that you you know the home games you have to go down to Houston and play them on the road, and now you see Denver for the first time, San Antonio for the first time, and these these are important games you have to win. Craig Bolderjack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Put it up on social media. You know, the Jazz have lost back-to-back games for the first time since early December. They lost three in a row in the first four days of December on a horrible Eastern trip. What's wrong? You know, your thoughts. And uh, Carl says, stop looking at social media. Stop moping around over Kobe. Get back to work. Please. How much of it do you think is not X's and O's, is not basketball, and is emotional? Ooh, that's good. That's a good question. I, I, I don't know if Kobe impacted the Jazz um, in the Houston loss or not. Look, there was a real high uh, after the Dallas game, and I don't know if that was you know uh, the letdown or you walk out and you kind of realize you know basketball is a game and life is life. Okay, maybe you could chalk it up to that for a lot of players in this league. Uh, last night you should have been, you know, pushed yourself through that despite the fact it's an impact. I get that for a lot of people. Uh, but I think once you get on the basketball floor, a lot of those things are blocked down and the moment comes into play. I really think, DJ, it's been the fact that uh, Houston showed them something they weren't maybe prepared for uh, because of the injuries and Capella and Westbrook was on a rest night and Harden was out and you get a bunch of players that come out and basically attack you and uh, put you in most what I thought was more of a scramble mode, but also a more physical run-at-you type of, uh, of offense. And then last night, uh, I think Pops is such a good coach, kind of the same mentality. Uh, they didn't really play big. They played small. They played fast. And that's where I think sometimes the Jazz get turned around and uh, have issues with when they can't use Rudy the big man to alter or slow down the flow. That's kind of my take, and that's I think you've seen two teams who really have just kind of been on a downhill run attack. I don't think you can panic. I mean, we've been through this before. I mean, Big T and I talked about this the other night, that the prediction is there's always the ebbs and flows, uh, and you sooner or later that run of wins has to come to a stop in most cases, and then you start restart again. Sometimes a loss is a kick in the pants, and you kind of re, you know, you gather yourself and move forward. And it's sometimes a loss is a good thing. So, again, two in a row, Denver 
no time to think. You have to go out and play and react. And then you've got a game against Portland uh, Saturday night against really one of the most dynamic backcourts, high-scoring backcourts with Lillard and McCollum. So this is no easy task right now. No easy task. You will be shocked to learn that our social media is full of criticism of Mike Conley. I know it. I know no, I'm you're not stunned. Su- I'm not surprised. <laughs> I read it last night on the plane. Sure. I think a couple things. One, and I think this is where, you know, nobody wants to hear it's a work in progress, but it's a work in progress. And the thing I would point to right now, and feel free to use this on a broadcast, Travis, have Travis build one of those fancy graphics. Those things are cool. I like those. <laughs> what... If you look at Conley, since he came back, his percentage on two-point shots, remember how everyone was frustrated? Like, man, he gets in a paint and he misses that floater. I don't think he's shooting the floater as much. I think he's getting to the rim more. Locke can probably provide you with numbers on that. And he is shooting a very high percentage. He's shooting about 70% on two-point shots since he came back. So the whole thought that he was going to watch, he was going to adjust, he was going to figure stuff out, you know, that has to be done across a bunch of categories. And it's easy for us to look at shooting. That's what we tend to look at as fans and me to ask Quinn. He'll tell you. Uh, And on those two-point shots, he's now about 70%, which is way up. Now, the three-pointer has completely eluded him. He's won for the last 15 cold stretch or whatever else, you know, when he got here, that was like the one thing he could do is he was shooting the three. You know, he was shooting like 38% or something from three, which if that's your fifth best three-point shooter, awesome. You're good to go, right? Now he comes back from the injury. He's not shooting the three as well, but because he shot it well earlier this year, I assume that comes back. Um, but then they're looking at a bunch of different things, you know, the choices he's making uh, when he's passing Turn the ball. Over turnovers uh, defensively, you know, on the ball and then, you know, off the ball and rotations. I mean, there's a million things that I'm sure Quinn goes through on video. Footwork and all kinds of stuff. Uh, So I'm curious what you think of the work in progress there, both the positives and the negatives Mike's still got to work on. Well, I know that uh, fans are frustrated because, look, let's be honest, uh, you know, the investment is is one of the most, if not... um, the deepest that Jazz have ever dove into, right, uh, to pick up a contract of sixty plus million dollars and the expectations of 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 Mike performing at a high level uh, still hasn't really, you know, shown through uh, after what we saw him as a Memphis Grizzly for twelve years. I know he's working hard. I talked to him uh, in in length yesterday, and I felt like you know in our conversation that you know watching he was more mentally fresh. And obviously, physically, had his legs back. You know, someone made a comment last night that there's still a bit of like, uh, they felt like he looks confused. That's a really interesting take. I'm not sure if the comfort is still there and waiting for that to feel like he's playing fluid without thinking about what he's supposed to do. I think it's probably the biggest uh, I, I think that seems to be the most common comment of his play. I keep looking at that as well, and there's moments where I think he's really in the moment, and then again, there'll be a couple of back-to-back turnovers or he misses a player who's making a cut baseline instead of you know, going out to the wing to, to, to go for three. You know, I wish I had the answers. Only really Mike and Quinn can answer it. Uh, I think that the team still supports him, uh, but sooner or later, uh, you, know, I, you know, some people say the cure is to him for him to start. I don't see how that happens. 
with the way Donovan, Joe, Rudy, Royce, and Bogdanovich have played, you know, together. And if you notice last night, in fact, the last two games, if I'm not mistaken, they've tried to put Mike in as the first guard and Clarkson would come in second. That's been a flip. Clark Clarkson was the first guy off. Uh, and then and then Mike would, would be there at the table. But now they're trying to get Mike, I think, a few more minutes. He jumped up to what? Let me look at my scorecard last night. Yeah, he went 21 last night, which is the most, which is the most minutes he's played so far. So I'm sure it's frustrating behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we're allowed to peek in the door on occasion when it really comes down to some of these big decisions. But this is something that Quinn, uh, Dennis, Justin, and David Moray will have to you know, figure out, and really it comes to Quinn on minutes and how this whole rotation is going to work out. A couple of losses makes everybody panic. Uh, we'll see what happens, uh, you know, after you, after they play Denver tonight. Okay, so the first thing that I want in regard to Conley is something that I absolutely cannot have. No one is going to allow me to have this. I'm going to be so shut down. But you know what I'm going to do? We put on this uniform, as Carl Malone used to say, as the mailman would say, no excuses. So I'm going to run right. into that brick wall, and I'm going to die on this hill even though I know it's hopeless. When we talk about Conley, we have to stop referencing the money. All right, that's not going to happen. I know he's making $32 million and no jazz players made that kind of money, and blah, 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 and I get that. But here's what the money says. The money says, I respect you, you're the best player, right? That's why right. Gobert's going to get the big deal. And that, well, he has a big deal, and he's going to get a bigger deal. I should. And, and Donovan's going to come off that rookie contract, and his salary is going to go through the roof. And I don't know what the cap number is going to be and what percentage they're going to be allowed to give him, but they're going to give him 100% of whatever they're allowed to give him. That's the thing I'm sure of. And yeah. so we look at Mike at $32 million, You should be the best player on the team. Well, he's not going to be. It, this is about oh, Donovan. True. Donovan's, you know, 31 points. He's averaging 25. So if you're going to compare Conley's production to the year and a half left on his salary, your head's going to explode. So just let that go. I think the question is, when he's on the floor, do those five guys function at a really high level? And it's hard to do because he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to taking a lot of shots. And if that happens, people are immediately going to scream, and they're going to be right, well, that's less for Donovan and that's less for Joe. And that's less for Bogdanovich. And those guys are killing it. And I think of all the people, it's going to impact Joe the most. And I think that playing him with the bench is a chance to put the ball in his hands more often without taking it out of the hands of these other guys because one or two of them will be off the floor. You talked about how you don't think, and I think you're right, Bowler, I think you're spot on, that O'Neal with Bogdanovich, Gobert, Ingles, and Mitchell really fits. O'Neal doesn't handle the ball much. And he doesn't shoot much. And if Mike Conley came in and played exactly like Royce O'Neal, which A, I don't think he would do, and B, I wouldn't recommend. But if he did, our social media would be full of, well, Conley doesn't have the ball. He's not doing anything. Well, there's one ball and there's five guys. Everybody can't have it at the same time. So, yeah, that's, that's another great point. I, I, I agree. I mean, there's only so many you know shots to take. And right now, Donovan, Joe, and Bogdanovich are your main ball handlers the second unit look at jordan clarkson last night who dropped 20 took 14 shots mike took eight all right bogdanovich took 16 and donovan mitchell uh had took 20 shots but he's a second half guy i mean you look at what he did last night uh you know he goes for 31 again he had 12 at the half so he was the guy that kept pushing the jazz along with Bogdanovich in the first half, but Donovan took over in the second. 
and it got the Jazz close but never pushed through. They got to five multiple times, and then, uh, you know, last night San Antonio would answer. Or a quick timeout by Popovich. He never lets a team uh, really get a run against him. I've never seen him let teams just run away and, you know, almost like punish his team to say, ah, they'll work it out. No, he always stops play and stops your momentum, and he did that several times last night. So, but, you know, DJ, the bottom line is, Royce, you make a point about Royce. You're right. He doesn't shoot the ball, which gives Donovan and Bogdanovich, and even touches, Joe Ingles, right? more shots because he's a defender. When he does get the ball, he's been very accurate from the three-point line or the corner three. So, I don't see how you move Mike at the moment into a starting lineup without total disruption. So can you play him as a six-man? Can you sell that as a six-man to him as well and say, look, be productive. You take on second-unit players. Then you rotate in, and Quinn has played him with the starters as well. He's been on the floor in the fourth quarter late, and you have to see if this doesn't work its work itself out. So here's what I believe 100%. I don't have all the answers here. Uh, I do think it takes more time, and nobody wants to hear that. I get that. No, I do no, think, no, not at this time of the season. I do think it's difficult. With, but with the changes in the bench and with Conley's injury, it's almost like he came back to a different team. And they got to figure out this whole balance of what his role needs to be and then get him to execute that role. And I think I see little things that I'm confident that's going on. You know, that people's heads and hearts are in the right place, and it's starting to happen, but it hasn't completely happened, and that frustrates people. And I don't think it's the only reason they've lost these two games. I think the reason we're talking mostly offense, and the reason they lost these two games is mostly the defensive end of the floor. But the other reason, I have a lot of confidence in this, and I don't know how much you want to go into this. You might go, you're right, DJ, click, i got to run. Uh, <laughs> there is a notion, not entirely accurate, among Jazz fans, the Jazz are nice, and they treat people the right way, and yet... They're just nobody wants to offend Conley because he got a big start to come here. He's happy about coming here, and they aren't going to make the tough choices that need to be made. They're not going to have a hard enough edge. And I know what press conferences look like with Quinn, and I know what they look like with Justin Zanuck and with Dennis Lindsay. But also, I've heard enough stories. Did Bowler just hang up? Did he just out? No, you're there. Oh, you're there. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm hanging on. I'm All right. listening. All right, I have zero worries about those guys having enough of an edge. Ruthless isn't quite the same word, because I don't want to go, you know, mob movie and, you know, casino and the cornfield. I mean, ruthless might be, we're talking sports here. But in a basketball sense, they're ruthless enough to make any hard decision that needs to be made. And if that means they think they have to sit Conley, they will. If it means they have to sit Joe, they will. If it means they have to, what they they cut Jeff Green. They admitted they were wrong about the bench moves, and they went out and made the Clarkson trade. They sat Absolutely. Ed Davis, which people don't really know Ed Davis here, but I know a guy who has never worked for the Jazz but has been in the NBA a long time, and he loves Ed Davis and says Ed Davis is a great guy. And he's not surprised how things are going in Utah for Ed, but he freaking loves Ed. you know. So I don't think it was fun for them to say, hey, Ed, you're not playing. We're no, playing this no, guy over here. It wasn't. Hey, I think DJ, it, it wasn't easy for yeah. Dennis to finally say, "Look, the the prodigy, the Dante Exum, who was going to be right, you know, this to this trade star, Dante, yeah." And they they had to finally let him go because the team wasn't functioning at the level that is expected. You make a great point. Look, that job's not easy to make decisions, but they'll do it. Disrupt, but they'll, they'll do have, it. They have to do it. That's yeah. their job. That's their job. And I think, you know, again, 
they try to give every player the benefit of the doubt to work themselves back in to understand an offense and a defense that Quinn Snyder's put together. It's a complicated system, but yet I think everyone is surprised that it's taken so long for Mike to feel comfortable to just to go out and play basketball. Look, the system in Memphis was different. He played with a different big man in Gasol versus Gobert. And so all those things come into play. Injury comes into play. And then, of course, the fan base wants it now. Uh, you know, sometimes, again, the money, you make a great point. The money that's paid to a player also equates to the results when he's on the floor, right? It's supposed to. And so yeah. that, that's the other part of the, of the equation here is that they realize the expense, the, the, the investment that the Jazz put into Mike, and they expect automatic results. And sometimes in the world of basketball, that doesn't uh, pan out all the time. So other teams have had these same issues, and the Jazz really dove into it, DJ, as you know, and made investments. But they also, you know, Jeff Green, I thought, would be a bigger, make a bigger impact. But it just didn't fit the way uh, that they thought. So they had to make the move. Dante, multiple injuries and years of trying to make him into a player that they thought he would be or had the potential to be. They move him. Look at the Clarkson move. Everything just turned and changed on a dime overnight with that. So, um, you know, the Jazz, Quinn will tell you, it's still a work in progress, which I think kind of surprises people because they are a team that works with precision. That was the word used at shoot-around again yesterday. And if you are off just a bit, this team seems to have a night like they did last night and also against the Houston Rockets. So, Quinn Snyder and his staff very good about moving the needle and trying to put the team back in focus and back on the right track. And with no time really to prepare or at least get together, we'll have you know a little walk through this morning, uh, a little bit later. But you know you just got to go out and play the game and let the natural flow. You know, jump and you jump and go tonight, right? I mean, that sometimes is the best thing for a ball player. I've talked to Harper and Big T about it. Sometimes you don't want to talk about it. You just want to go out and play, and it'll work itself out. So another chance tonight to do so. We'll see. Bowler, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. All right, pal. See you soon. Craig Bowler, Jack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz and Nuggets tonight. Late game, TNT, 830. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, Yach wants to give away tickets. Yach, what do you want to give away? we got Stars tickets. It's Mountain Mike night tomorrow night for the Stars. All right, we will do that in the next segment. I also think there's something else that's impacting the Conley stuff here that I think we all have to wrap our head around. And, uh, you know, it's one of those good news, bad news deals. You know, every for every action, there is a reaction. And I think if you think about this, you'll think, dang, DJ, you're smart. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little optimistic on that. Yuck, don't, don't do that. Yuck's in there nodding. Yuck, I have feelings. Back off. Just because PK isn't here to tweak me doesn't mean you have to start. I've got to fill in the role. You really don't. You should have, I, you're in the car and you're on the radio, so you don't know this, but Yuck, that was a lot of attitude, Yuck. That, that hurt me. <laughs> Sorry. PK would have been giggling. PK would have been in there giving you bones during the break. Been, like, his... That was just the right amount of head bob, eye roll, shake of the noggin there. He would, he would have been proud of you. I got a admit, people, PK would have been A lot of people with eye rolls about Mike Conley right now. So I know, but I, I think there's, a, there's multiple things happening here. There's two things that I haven't mentioned. I'm going to tell you what they both are next. Stay with us. 
This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. I got the high school games coming up. And by the way, just a, a side thing. Big thanks to Jeremy Brunner for his work in the truck. Always enjoy it when he produces the game. Jeremy's a pro. Oh, I love it. Is that a shot at Adrian? And Damon, I feel like oh. it was. And just so you know, just, just a quick side nod here. I wish Jeremy could be my producer every day. <laughs> I make a comment, and it must be a shot at somebody. Just, it must be. You looked right at Adrian when you were saying. I was talking TV. <laughs> I always get myself in trouble because of you guys. I did not say Jeremy does a great job on TV and Adrian sucks on radio. I did not say that. You did now. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join The Zone in ARUP Friday, January 31st from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at ARUP, 9786 South, 500 West. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes and you will receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. Our social media is just full of people, Mike Conley this, Mike Conley that. Back-to-back losses have brought it out. I've been trading, uh, I've been trading texts with, uh, with somebody during the break. Uh, not a jazz employee, but a massive fan and someone who's worked in the sports business, at least peripherally. And so kind of has that perspective that comes with, you know, you're going to work every day and you don't get caught up in the fandom of it. And then, but they have the fandom of it a little bit and then the fans drive them nuts. And I just, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) I get, uh, and I got multiple people texting me now and I can't get the thing to open. I want to read this to you though. This is hilarious. Why do a couple losses make everybody panic? I'm not panicking. And I texted back in all caps, they lost in five exclamation points at the end. And we want wins so badly. I mean, isn't that the crux of it? If it were another town and it weren't as important, if I had to compare it to anyone, I'd go with the Chiefs. You see a Monday night football game, and the Chiefs are nine and seven team. Not now when they got Mahomes and they're on top of the world, but you know all the years they've been nine and seven, where they're good enough to be in a primetime game, but they're not nearly good enough to even talked about winning the Super Bowl. And yet Arrowhead Stadium is full of people in red, and it's loud. And no matter what crew goes in there, ESPN or NBC or whoever for a primetime game, they're like, "This place is crazy for primetime games." And the reason they keep saying it is because it's crazy. They want it so bad. But the Royals went so long and have barely won anything. And they have had a couple moments. And the Chiefs haven't been to the Super Bowl in 50 years, and they won it so bad. Kansas City, it's not a small town, but it's kind of a medium-sized market. It's small and maybe from a, a national sports perspective. It's a lot like Salt Lake. Having been there on trips and walked around, it's a lot like Salt Lake. Crazy for it. And people, Conley comes in, and I really think the money's a big part of it, at $32 million. But this goes back to another discussion we had. And I was right about that, too. Yock, back me up on this. When Hayward left and Donovan arrived, there was a theory that Donovan would have never emerged the way he did if Hayward was still here because everyone would have deferred to Hayward. Correct. And I said, no, there's enough shots for two guys. But there aren't enough for three. The guy who wouldn't have emerged is Joe Ingles because the ball would have gone to Gordon Hayward a lot and Donovan's talent would have been obvious 
regardless of whether Gordon is here or not. We would have all figured it out, and the ball would have gone to Donovan a lot, and Joe would have gotten squeezed. Now, Joe emerged because Gordon wasn't here. And now they've acquired Bogdanovich, and because Joe is perfectly happy not shooting a lot, he can have the ball a lot, but set up other guys, and you realize, wow, Joe's really effective. And one night he'll take 12 shots, but another night he'll take three. And so it works with Bogdanovich being a volume shooter and Mitchell being a volume shooter. All I'm looking for personally out of Mike Conley, and I can't convince all of you people, I know that, but I'm telling you, all I'm looking for is efficiency out of Conley. And I think that two-point game, since he came back, is way more efficient. I think he's efficient about getting to the free-throw line. So now, can he be more efficient from the three-point line? And defensively, can the club be better? Has he had issues? Yeah. But literally everybody has had issues. That's how you give up 126 and 127 points in consecutive games. They've got to get that dialed back in. But I'm not judging Conley on how many shots he takes. I don't expect or want him to take a lot. Just be efficient when you do. And not go nuts about he's scoring 10 points a game and he's making 32 million bucks. Well, you want the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands. You want Rudy to get his dunks. You want Bogdanovich, when he's hot, to just let it rip. And Mike's got to figure all that out and got to have that kind of Joe Ingles thing to his game. And that's new for him. And that's just not going to change overnight. So look for efficiency. Don't look for the volume thing. Because he's not going to take 17 shots, and he's not going to score 22 points. And that's not what this team needs. Efficiency. The word Bowler told us that was in shoot-around yesterday. Precision, and that's going to lead to efficiency. I think those two things go hand-in-hand. All right. DJ and PK, Reno Mize coming up next. We're talking Super Bowl. He played for Andy Reid. What does he expect in this game? Why is everyone rooting for Andy the way they are? How is this going to play out on Sunday? Reno's coming up next. Stay with us.